0: There has been a saying floating around the internet for the last couple of years, it's a quote, uh, maybe you've seen it, it goes like this, everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. The quote is often attributed to Albert Einstein, there's no evidence at all to support that he ever said it, uh, in fact he seemed to believe the opposite. I'd hasten to add that the quip devalues the meaning of the word genius, but there's one truth there that I think we should embrace. Some people were just made to do some things. They just, it's just, the way they're wired up, they're just made to do it. Michael Jordan was just made to play basketball. Greatest basketball player of all time. Now, you might think it's Kobe or LeBron, you're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong, it's Michael All right, he was just made to do that. Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were just made to completely change the way that we interacted with technology. Charlotte Bronte, the author of Jane Eyre, was just made to be an author. Michelangelo, the painter and sculptor, not the Ninja Turtle, was just made to create some of the greatest art we've ever seen. Prince was just made to be the jamminest musician that ever walked the face of the earth. Albert Einstein was just made to revolutionize our understanding of the universe. And you were just made to do something. Do you know what it is? Do you know what God has wired you up to do? To be? To become? We're starting a new sermon series today called Wired and over the next couple weeks, we're going to be focused on you, specifically helping you understand the way that God has wired you up to find wholeness in him, the best pathway for you to take in expressing that wholeness through devotion and service, and how you share that with other people in our community. Now, before we go any further, I need to let you know why we're doing this sermon series. Okay, Beginning in January of next year, this content, what we're going to look at for the next couple weeks, will become our membership experience. It will become the membership class here at Chapel Rock. Now, the format will shift a little bit. It'll be more interactive. I'll teach for about 20 minutes, and then there'll be a discussion around a table for another half an hour or so. But what we're going to talk about will become the membership class, okay? Uh, It's the same content, just, you know, changed in format. Um, And here's the way that will work. All right, We'll want someone to come to Welcome to the Rock, that's kind of our opening thing. Uh, in the past it has been part of that, it will then kind of break and just be its own deal. And it's more informational, it's interactive, people can come and ask questions, uh, I, I get an opportunity to talk about the whole community of Holy Christ and what that means and, and, and just begin to encourage them to go to Wired or possibly Rooted if we've got one of those about to start. Um, but the, the point of that will be more informational, introductory, but designed to help people take that next step and go to WIRED, which will happen on a Sunday morning in one of our rooms here. Uh, we'll have some, some folks helping us out with that. I've spent a lot of time praying about this and, and working with our elders and staff to try to find a method that will really help equip people not only to find wholeness in Christ, but to do that within relationship with Chapel Rock. You know, and I love you guys, especially those of you who have already been through that Process. I didn't want you to miss out on the cool new thing, all right? I wanted you to be part of it. Uh, and I wanted to be able to tell newer people with complete integrity, like, no, like everybody does this. We put the whole church through it on a Sunday morning. This is our process. Everyone, need, if you're, I don't care if you've been following Jesus for 20 minutes or 20 years, everybody does this. And so we want you to be part of this. Um, and so that's why we're doing it here in the format of a sermon series for three weeks, those of you who are already members, you're kind of grandfathered in, but I want to make sure that everybody is on the same page about what it means to be part of this body that is committed to finding wholeness in Christ. So man, if you're new here today, if today's your first time at Chapel Rock, you could not have picked a better day to show up. Because I really believe that what you're going to hear today and for the next couple of weeks might be something that dramatically changes your life for the better for a long time. Okay? Okay? So I'm, I'm really glad you're here. If you're new here today, I'd love to meet you when we're done. I'll be down front. Please come down and say hi. If you're joining us online, thanks for logging in from wherever you are. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, visit us on site if you're local. And if, if you're uh, watching online and you'd like to help out with, the, with what I mentioned earlier uh, during the offering time, you also can go to chapelrock.org. I think there's a link somewhere up there. Uh, in the menu, if you want to click on that, and that help us out. If you haven't yet, please fill out your connection card. Uh, leave that in the seat next to you, and we'll we'll collect those later. Um, we're going to jump into our text today. So open your Bibles to Second Peter chapter one. That's where we're going to begin today. We'll look at a couple others, but that's kind of the main one today, 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want to make sure that everybody in here is on the same page, all right? I know a lot of you already know this, but some of you may not. So let's uh, let's cover what we're talking about here today. Uh, Jesus had a disciple named Simon. Jesus changed his name to Peter. Peter was the preeminent leader of Jesus' 12 apostles, one of Jesus' best friends, along with James and John. Those three were kind of Jesus' inner circle. Uh, Peter was really very much the the, the leader of that group. Uh, Peter went on to become a leader in the Jerusalem church uh, and and really uh, led, you know, from that place and and really had a powerful ministry for the rest of his life. Jesus told him after Peter's betrayal on the night that Jesus uh, was was taken into captivity before he was crucified that, you know, Peter would betray him and and so as Jesus is restoring him, he tells Peter, listen, this is how you're going to (laughs) die, And so, Peter, I think, has a sense. He got a prediction from Jesus. He has a sense that this is coming. If you don't know, Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same way that Jesus did. They actually crucified his wife first and made him watch and then did him. This is a guy that Jesus really got a hold of, <laughs> this is a guy that Jesus really changed. And as that moment in his life was coming, I think he sensed it. We don't know. There's no text to support that. I just have a gut feeling. And so Peter wrote two letters to the whole church, capital C. He just, the whole church, wanted him to know about what life and ministry should look like. And I, I think he's nearing the end of his life. And in his second letter, addressed to the whole church, he writes this. Look at this with me in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need For a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, these referencing His glory and goodness, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Now, what He's talking about here is the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit that we have when we become followers of Jesus, when we're baptized. That's what, he, that's what he's referencing, is the spirit in us, okay? He's not saying that you become a god. He, he's saying that, that God puts his nature in you. John mentioned earlier, he talked about the image of God in us, the imago Dei, as the, the theologians call it. The, the, you, you bear that, but by the presence of the Holy Spirit, this, it goes even further, okay? Let's keep going. He says, um, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you're supposed to grow in those. You don't just hit a level of goodness and stop. You're supposed to keep growing. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. (laughs) Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love this text. I love this text. This, This passage... It it, it encourages me and it challenges me. it, It encourages me on the days when I'm struggling and it challenges me on the days that I'm having a pretty good day. And I'll tell you why, all right? This passage encourages me because it is a powerful reminder that God has provided every resource I need to become like Jesus. And this text challenges me because it is a powerful reminder that God has given me everything I need to become like Jesus both. When, 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 when it's just like, it's one of those days where, where it just seems like God has just put a bulldozer in front of you and just cleared the path, and it's smooth sailing, right? Just boom, pedal down. Here we go, baby. Punch it. This rem- Listen, all this is from God, Casey. It's not you. God gave you this stuff. Oh, yeah. Challenges me. And on those days when it's just nothing goes right. You've had those, right? Where you got a whole lot of Monday and your Tuesday? You know what I mean? It's just like what is wrong with this week, man? Everything it just seems like it's falling apart. God has given you everything you need. You've got everything you need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of God in us, remember, we participate in the divine nature, has inspired these holy habits. It it creates a hunger in us for these holy habits, these spiritual disciplines that help us become like Jesus. See, here's what I want you to understand and apply today. It's our big idea this morning. The Spirit of God has given us habits that the Lord uses to help us become more like Jesus. The holy habits of the Christian life help us grow in wholeness, and they're a vital means of our individual wholeness pathway. Now, in contrast to that, there's this thought out there that there's something more that you need, that there's this second work of grace in your life, that there's something that you're lacking, that if you just had that, then you'd really be able to follow Jesus. And I will tell you what that thinking is. That is a lie from the pits of hell. You, on the day you were baptized, on the day you received the Spirit of God, you got everything you will ever need to follow Jesus. He is enough. The Spirit is enough for you. His Spirit will provide all the resources you need to follow Him. Listen to me. There's no secret sauce, there's no magic bullet, there's no special prayer that you pray that other people know that you don't know that makes them more like Jesus than you are. It doesn't exist same spirit that enabled Jesus to live the life he did lives in you if you're in Christ. And he's inspiring these habits to create a pathway toward wholeness in your life. It's simply a matter of leaning into what the spirit is already doing in you. This is a process that God has already, he's hardwired you to practice this. And the more you invest in this process, the more wholeness in this life you get to experience. The more like Jesus you will become. Richard Foster, in his classic work, The Celebration of Discipline, outlined the holy habits of Christian spiritual formation in three categories. He talked about inward habits, the things we do in our, in our soul. So like prayer, meditation, Bible study. right? He talked about outward habits things like living a simple life, practicing, getting alone with God at times, serving people in your community. And he talked about corporate habits, things, things like confession and what he calls guidance, which is where you allow someone to speak in your life and to kind of direct your spiritual life. It's called being a spiritual director. He, worship, what we just did, would be a corporate habit. And, and I think Foster's designation there are, are true and accurate and right. And I'm not who am I to disagree with him? He studied it way deeper and, and at a much greater level than I ever could hope to do. But I would be so bold as to offer a different three-pronged organization of these same habits. If the holy habits are given to us by the Spirit of God to help us grow in increasing wholeness, maybe it would be helpful, I think, to orient these habits around this process of wholeness. Now, let me remind you, I've used that word several times. Some of you might be new and not like, what are you, what are you even talking about? Okay, Wholeness is when your relationships with God and yourself and your family and friends and your community are experiencing God's shalom. That's the Hebrew word for his all-encompassing peace, okay? Wholeness comes into your life. Wholeness happens when when your relationship with God and yourself and your family and friends and your community is right. When those relationships are right, you have a sense of wholeness, that everything is the way it should be in your life, okay? Okay? This is a process that Jesus initiates uh, at our baptism. It really kind of begins before that as he draws us to him. It's the process, the specifics of which might change based on who's going through it and what they're going through at that time, time in their life. But the process is the same. It looks like a loop. All right? We're going to call it the wholeness loop. And the way that this process plays out may change based on the way you use these holy habits, based on the way God's wired you up. It, it, but it's the, the same process happens for everybody in the room so before we get into what they are though I want to make sure you understand what I mean when I say the wholeness loop every Sunday nearly every Sunday because sometimes I'll be honest I forget nearly every Sunday uh, for months now we've been saying this vision benediction together we bring our brokenness to Jesus because a change to wholeness is the story we share you're familiar with this you've said it if you didn't realize that this is what's happening um, because that's the loop here's what it looks like let me show you a picture. Okay, It looks like this. See how, see how this, the arrow goes? There's, there's kind of a downward nature, and then it, it, it changes, it turns direction, and then goes up. Okay? And so that's what I want to do today, is just kind of orient uh, our lives around this process. So the, the idea of bringing our brokenness to Jesus, it, there's a downwardness that's implied there. This is a humbling and a lowering of self that happens. This is an acknowledgement of the places in our life that still don't look like Jesus. This is where we surrender those to him. Like, oh, yeah, here's another spot, Lord, that still doesn't look like you. You It's yours. Here, you take it. All right? Then then this change, and there's a turning that happens. The line changes direction. There's a point where you decide, like, I want out. I can't do this anymore, Lord. I stink at this. You run it. (laughs) And you begin to cooperate with the Spirit in a gospel-centered change process. The line changes direction. And then there, this sharing is an upwardness to that. This is where this change in your life begins to show some results. You're excited about that naturally, and so you can't help but tell other people, you know? I mean, if you've ever gone on a diet and you've lost some weight, how cool is it the first time someone else besides you notices? That's nice, right? They go, have you lost weight? You know, And they're not just being nice. I mean, they really mean it. Like, they're am really? Yeah, I have, thanks, man. And you want, and then you, let me tell you about all this things I, I can't eat. <laughs> you know, um, you want to talk about it. This propels you into greater wholeness in your life. And, and as you go through life, you'll, you'll go through this loop again and again and again and again and again. But you need to understand it's not a perfect circle. It, it doesn't work that way. That would be frustrating. That would be futile, wouldn't it? To feel like you're never making any progress. That's not the way this is. It's it's a like on a coaster co- This is like a roller coaster. How many of you have ever ridden a roller coaster with a loop? Raise your hand. How many of you actually enjoyed the experience? Okay, okay. Not everybody does. You know, uh, first time we took our daughter Eden on Space Mountain, I, I thought she was going to kill me afterwards. Um, I screamed the whole time. So <laughs> uh, she's good now. She's good now. Uh, but it it, it is it's it, it can be terrifying and scary. But you you go through the loop and you're further ahead than you were when you started. So this is what this process looks like. Let me show you another picture. It looks like this. Up on the graph is wholeness. To the right on the graph is time. And as time goes by, you go through this loop over and over and over again, and you grow in wholeness. And what I like about this is it recognizes the fact that sometimes life isn't always up and to the right. It gets a little loopy. It doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. And and you might think, how come life, I I said I was going to follow Jesus, and how come it's hard? Because sometimes we got to go back down again. (laughs) And you need habits to practice in those down again moments. And so that's what I want to do today is to talk about this, uh, because God has given us, the Spirit in us has given us these habits that help us follow this loop, okay? They follow the trajectory. So first I want to talk about downward habits. Downward habits. Now please don't misunderstand. Please don't think that I'm encouraging you to make a habit of being sad or depressed. That's not what I'm talking about when I say downward habits. Okay, that's not what I mean. Some of you have probably met Christians who acted more like Eeyore than Jesus. Remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Well, it's going to rain today. You know, I mean, it's just—he's like nothing that guy says ever works out okay. You know, some of you have probably met Christians who are like—it's like they got baptized in pickle juice, like. What happened to you, man? (laughs) There's no joy there, you know. I I knew a guy, one of my mentors, a guy named Bill. He was out in the mountain northwest uh, Idaho, I think is where he's at now. Um, Great guy, loves the Lord, but he's he's an evangelist, he's a church planter, but serious, like hardcore serious dude. Everything everything matters all the time. That was Bill. You know, and one day it was that one from the time he was really young. I mean, he got dramatically saved, delivered, went off to Bible college, and, and after about four years of this in Bible college, he's walking across campus one day, and his professor grabs him by the arm and said, "Bill, yeah, Bill, are you saved?" Well, well, yeah. He said, "Bill, you mean to tell me that Jesus has come into your life and taken away your sin and made you right with God?" Yeah that the Son of God incarnate came down here lived a perfect life and died on the cross in your place for your sins and rose again on the third day so that you could have a relationship with God and live the kind of life that he wants you to live. Yeah, and Bill, you believe that, right? Yeah, yeah, and you want to tell people about that so they can go to heaven and know the joy of the Lord, right? Yeah, he said, then Bill, tell your face. (laughs) Maybe you've met guys like Bill. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about habits that lead you down in humility, but they lead you to a place of hope and glory. See, in Colossians 1.27, Paul writes this, to them, he's talking about Israel, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the ultimate expression of that is in our baptism. In baptism, we identify with and participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That when you were baptized, it is as if it was you on that cross. And it is as if it was you walking out of that empty tomb on Easter Sunday morning. In baptism, we identify with and participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now think about, just as an image, think about how we do it, right? You give your body over to the control of somebody else. You're wearing special clothes. you, You close your eyes. You stop breathing. They lay you down. You're covered over. What is that? Death. And then what happens? You're uncovered. You're raised up. You open your eyes. You start breathing again. They release you to your own recognizance. What is that? It's resurrection. Baptism is the place where we identify with and participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. What was dead is now alive. You go down. If you've never been baptized, in just a little while, we're gonna sing a song together, and I'm gonna invite you to come down front, and there'll be people down here ready for you, and we'll do it right now today. We got everything you need we got the special clothes, we got towels, swim trunks, t shirts, all that, everything you could possibly need or want to do this, we stand ready to do it right now. If you've never done that, you're gonna have an opportunity here in a little while, okay? Now, you don't need to make a regular habit of being baptized. (laughs) All right? Uh, Just like the death and resurrection of Jesus, Hebrews says that was once for all. Once is enough uh, regarding immersion. We take communion every Sunday. Every Sunday, when we partake of these elements, the bread representing Jesus' body and the juice representing his blood, you have an opportunity to relive your baptism. In fact, David Miller, one of our elders, has frequently encouraged you to do that in his communion meditations. To go back to that moment, he said he does, I do, to go back to that moment in time where you go, yeah, that was the day I died to myself so that Christ could live in me. The hope of glory. Every time you take communion, it's a a habit that you develop. We believe here, we do it every week at Chapel Rock. For those of you who are new, we do this every Sunday because we believe the early church did it every Sunday. And and it's part of that habit that reminds us of this, this sense of going down and just laying everything at Jesus' feet. Every Sunday when those elements go by, you have an opportunity to renew your baptism. Another habit of downwardness is that of fasting. Fasting is the principle of abstaining from something. Generally speaking, it's food. Usually that's what is meant in the Bible when it talks about it. You can fast from other stuff. Um, quite unwillingly last night Debbie had to fast from sleep Um, because Ephraim was up four times in the night Uh, it's just it's abstaining from something though I want to be clear um, despite my little joke a second ago it's abstaining from something for the purpose of prayer the point of fasting is not to earn brownie points with God you can't do that you can't make it there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less than he already does and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he already does You're not earning brownie points with God. The purpose of it is so that when you feel the pinch, the gnaw of hunger in your stomach, it reminds you to pray. The purpose of fasting is to pray. If you fast from sleep, Jesus did, stayed up all night praying. There's several times in the Gospels it records that. If you fast from sleep and when you feel that, I just want to go take a nap, you know, it's a, oh, I need to pray. I need to pray. Now, if you're fasting from sleep, you should pray with your eyes open. (laughs) Um, but the point of it is to drive you to prayer. And then another discipline of downwardness is stillness, which is choosing to be in silence and solitude before the Lord to listen to what he might say, to really actively listen to God. These habits humble us. They're, down, they're downward-oriented habits so that we can be humbled, so that we can change. And, and that's really the next part of this cycle, this loop, or these turning habits. It's the middle part of the wholeness loop's trajectory that God in his great mercy has given us habits that help us change through the power of the gospel in us. So again, we use this language in church. It's good occasionally to redefine what we mean. What do we mean when we say the gospel? It's the good news that though we were dead in our sins, God loved us enough to send Jesus to die on the cross in our place for our sins so that whoever believes in him could have eternal life, that they can go to heaven, that they can see beyond this world into the next. Here's the amazing thing. In hearing that, you participated in it. Hearing the gospel means participating in the gospel. Hearing the good news is a participation in the good news. Hearing the word of God helps us create the habit of turning toward him. That's what Paul was teaching his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3. Look at this with me. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, Timothy... Continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now get this next verse. If you memorize John 3.16, which hopefully you have, you should memorize 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, if you want a habit in your life that will change you over time, you've got to be reading the Word of God. And there's a million and four different ways to do that. You just Google Bible reading plan, and there's so much information there. Just pick one. Now some will maybe be a better fit for your spiritual temperament than others. Some of you are content people, like you like to read a lot. And you do this and you faithfully, every every day you check off five, six, seven chapters out of the Bible. And maybe for you, and that's awesome, and if that's life-giving to you, then keep doing it. But maybe for you that's gotten a little stale. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Lean into this habit of Bible intake and memorization. It's because it's both. The Bible reading and, and memorization, it's both. And so if you've been reading just chapters and chapters and chapters, slow way down. Read one paragraph and pick a verse and memorize it. And don't move on until you know it by heart. Conversely, if you're one of these people that reads a daily devotional and there's like a verse and some thoughts about it, It may, and you're like, it's kind of stale, it's kind of the same stuff all the time, put it down. Did you know you can buy a Bible with no chapter and verse divisions? Just Google it. You, you, I mean, uh, the Christian, uh, ChristianBook.com, CBD, they, they've got that. You can buy it it's just the words. Just the and you just read it like a book. Cuz you know it's a book. <laughs> it's great and you just you, you just, maybe for you just to spend some time in the word, memorizing it. The God has given that to us. Listen to me. The, the word of God is the good news of God's power to save, God's power to redeem, God's power to transform fallen, sinful, broken people like you and me into those who the Bible calls saints. In his book, Christlike, The Pursuit of Uncomplicated Obedience, Bill Hull wrote this. Look at this quote. He says, There's no other path to Christian spiritual transformation than through meaningful interaction with the Word of God. You want to be like Jesus? Jesus. He was in the Word. (laughs) You need to be in the Word. And it probably goes without saying, but one of the major habits that God uses to make us more like Jesus is prayer. This holy habit, though, is about so much more than asking God to bless our meals and keep our kids safe and rubber stamp our career plans. Prayer is a living, vital conversation with God. And if that doesn't describe your prayer life, then here's an opportunity for you to practice a new habit that will help you. I want to give you a prayer to pray this morning. I'm going to warn you it's a very dangerous prayer. Don't pray this unless you really mean it. Ready? Pray this prayer. Father, what do you see in me that doesn't look like your son? And then shut up. Because I don't know about you, but when I pray, I do way too much talking. And I'm having to learn how to listen. And that's hard. And if you pray this prayer, I'm telling you, be, just don't do it unless you want to, unless you're ready. Because he will answer it, and you probably won't like what he says. It'll sting a little. be good for you. And you sit there, and you listen. And then you wipe the stuff that's leaking out of your eyes away. And then you pray this prayer. Father, why do you even love me? And then you shut up. And you let God the Father tell you that you are His beloved child. That He gave His only Son on the cross in your place. That He loves you more than life itself. He's got a plan for you. He's hardwired you to do something for Him in this world. That will change you. That habit will turn the direction of your life. There's one more. It's a habit called confession. We talked about this a little bit in the last series. It bears repeating. If you want real change, real wholeness to come into your life, it's only going to come when you practice the discipline of confession. And let me define what I mean. I don't mean you coming in at some point during the week and going into a booth in the lobby where you tell me what you did wrong. That's not what I mean. Okay, that's fine if if that helps you, you know, cool. But um, specifically when the Bible uses the word, it means if you offend God, if you do something wrong against the Lord, then you need to tell him, own up to it. And if the person you hurt or wounded or did wrong to was your, you know, jerk-faced boss who thinks he's God, then you confess to him. You tell the one you offended. And you'll be surprised what that will do to the trajectory of your faith. You, you'll, you'll change out of that and it will it will propel you forward and upward in a way that you never possibly imagined before. And that's really the third layer here. It, it's the third set of habits are these upward habits. There are these spiritual disciplines that, that help us uh, be an active part of Jesus' work to expand his kingdom. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Look at this. Let us hold unswervingly. <laughs> I love I love that word. I've never used that word before in a conversation. But I love it because that's the way we're supposed to live our lives, unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day. And by the way, in your Bible, when you see the word day capitalized, that's the day of the Lord. That's Judgment Day as you see the day approaching. Look at what he says here. Don't give up the habit of meeting together. Do you realize that in the first century, there were people who didn't want to go to church? They slept in. Now, I don't know about your morning, but let me tell you how mine went. We were up four times in the night with Ephraim. I'm fighting a cold today. (laughs) And my alarm went off, and I was like, no, Lord, You made the day longer for Joshua. Can you make the night longer for me? Come on. It's raining. It's just a great day for sleeping. Maybe this will alarm you. I don't mean for it to, but there are days even the preacher doesn't want to get up and go to church. (laughs) God is good. And there's times that we want to just quit. And there's probably somebody in this room right now who showed up today and you're thinking about quitting. because you're in the right spot. Do you realize that fellowship is a spiritual discipline? It is. It's one of the habits of upwardness. It's one of the habits that helps you share what God is doing in your life. Fellowship is actually a spiritual discipline. Jesus spent regular time with his best friends in the whole world who encouraged him. Not perfectly, but he needed him there. Fellowship is a spiritual discipline. Now, you also need to practice fellowship the way Jesus did it. And the people he hung out with were people that the religious elites were like, whoa, stay away. You need that kind of fellowship too. You need to have people around your table that the world would go, really, them? Yeah. Because that's how Jesus practiced fellowship also. And that'll make you do that. When you hang out with people, when you have dinner with people that the world would reject, that will make you more like Jesus faster than anything else. And there's two more habits that I want to give you, and I'm going to give them to you at the same time because they go together, and it's the habit of witness and giving. The act of verbally sharing your faith, the discipline of giving a portion of your income to be used for the Lord's work through the church and mission organizations around the world, they really come from the same place. It's wanting to see the kingdom of God expand, wanting other people to have what you have in Christ. Now, please understand, at Chapel Rock, we don't bear witness to who Christ is just to put more, you know, people in the pews or cars in the lot. That's not why we do this. We don't take up offerings to pay the staff or keep the lights on or fix HVAC units. Rather, the discipline of witness and the holy habit of giving have the same purpose so that an ever-increasing number of people in our community and around the world can share what we have in Christ. The reason that you share your faith and the reason that you give are the same reason. So that more people can know who Jesus is. So that Jesus can have more and better disciples. And practicing that holy habit faithfully, week after week after week, will help you grow in wholeness. That discipline of sharing, it, pro- it propels you upward into new heights of becoming like Christ. You need these holy habits. They will make you whole Eventually. <laughs> by the power of the Spirit. Now the way that you each individually implement each one of those may change based on your particular temperament, based on your particular mix of spiritual gifts. And I hope this past week that you had an opportunity to take the test that we put together for you. All right? If if not, you can go to chapelrock.org wired. You can find it there. There are paper copies in the lobby. You can do that way. Um, Probably if you do it on computer, it'll score it for you. Uh, you probably should do it on an actual computer computer rather than like your smartphone. It'll, it'll work a little bit better. It'll just be easier to read. Um, if it doesn't work for you, the paper copy is, is available. Those have been available for the last couple of weeks. We really need you to do it for next Sunday because we're going to really drill down into what each one of those things are, okay? And you've got a unique temperament that God has wired you up to be and to become, and I want to encourage you to do that here. And, and the way that you embrace these habits may change based on your temperament, but you still need all of them. Okay? My point is this. Every one of us needs every one of these habits. Now, you may have heard something that I said today, and you're like, ooh, I don't want to do that. Oh, man, that fasting? I, 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 don't, I have to talk to my doctor first. <laughs> like, what? like, what? Being alone with God, what? How, how can you be alone and with Him? I don't. You may have heard something, you're like, I don't want to do that. And I'm telling you this morning, that's probably exactly what you need to do. Because if there's something out there where you're like, I'm kind of afraid to tackle this, God is going to draw you out. This this is your, come on, Peter, get out of the boat moment. Remember what Peter said. We've got everything we need for a godly life in Christ Jesus. In his classic work, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote this. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ's. If they're not doing this, that, then all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose than for you to be like Jesus, is the understatement there. This is why we're here today. And I, I, I just, I, listen, you, have you taken that first step? Remember our big idea this morning the Spirit of God has given us habits that the Lord uses to help us become more like Jesus. Have you done that? Maybe for you this morning, it's time to go down, down to the foot of the cross to identify with and participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus by being baptized. Now is your moment. If you've never done that before, in just a minute, we're going to stand and sing together, and I would invite you to come to the front. We've got people down here ready to receive you. We've got all the stuff you need. If you're ready to take that step today, we're ready to take it with you. Maybe you're here this morning and it's time to turn. You, maybe you've gotten lazy in your Bible reading. You need to renew that commitment. Maybe your prayer life has gotten shallow and vapid, and, and you need someone to pray with you and pray for you. We'll have decision counselors down front who are happy to do that. Maybe you need to practice con- some confession. To make step out in the hall and make a phone call to someone, or possibly talk to one of our leaders in the next step room. I don't know what God is doing in your heart today. I pray, and have been praying all week that he would move. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing together. And you respond as God leads you today. Will you stand, please?